Hello, welcome to Motherhood Out Loud, a safe place for mothers to talk openly about their experiences without fear of judgment or shame. Our hope is for women to realize that we're not alone in the variety of emotions we feel and that we're able to provide a more loving community for future moms. Let's take take our our power power back and and live motherhood motherhood out loud. With Carla and Cindy. Hi, welcome back. We have a special guest with us today named Ale. We're very excited to to meet up with her. I've been following her on Instagram. That's how we met. So I'm just excited to finally get to speak to her um, more in depth. So hi, Ale. How are you? Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Hi, Cindy. Hi, Carla. Yes, um, my name is uh, Ale, or well, aka Ale, right? But it's Alejandra Salgado Hernandez. Um, I prefer to be called Ale for short. And I am 28 years old. I'm about to turn 29 years old. So I'm in, in the end of my roaring 20s, como les dicen. I am a proud Latina. I am married to my high school sweetheart, um, my pride and joy. We've been together already for 13 years. And together wow. we have a family of six. We have four babies. And I'm going to tell you guys their ages. And then you guys are going to guess how long I've been pregnant. Oldest is four. And then two. And then one, and then four months. Oh, <laughs> oh my so gosh. I've been pregnant for, for a while. Um, it was our dream to have a big family. And it's, uh, after a struggle with infertility, <clears throat> it's coming true. Um, and right now, I am currently working on my doctorate degree. I am attending UTEP. And I am a former teacher. I am certified to teach um, for the grades four through eight. So, but I prefer middle school. I'm certified to teach um, all subjects, but I prefer math. It's like my favorite math and science, but math is my favorite. Oh, that's awesome. Me and Carla, well, we used to like math a lot. <laughs> we went to high school together. So. <laughs> that's that's awesome. awesome. You have, wow, I cannot believe they're all under, so four under four. Right. Yes. At some point it was four wow. under four and well they're they're my, my pride and joy and um but I first and foremost wanna thank you ladies for having me uh here on the podcast. I've listened to your podcast before and I love all the, the talks that you girls have because it's truly um I like the name motherhood out loud. I think a lot of times as moms we are not it's not that we're not listened to, but sometimes we don't feel you know, the need to speak about certain certain aspects of motherhood. And once you mm-hmm. do talk to other moms and you're like, oh, wait, you went to that too? Yes. What did you do? Right. I did this. Oh, well, I, I did this, you know, and you got, you guys are bringing aspects, um, not only through motherhood, but I also listened to part of uh, Jeanette's um, mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. on, on her, on her journey. So thank you girls for this podcast and thank you girls for, for having me over. No, yeah, of course. No, we're very excited to talk to you. And I think I'm glad you're speaking to us because I know just looking at like your Instagram, you know, everything looks very put together and like, you know, you're looking at you from the outside in and not really knowing you. I'm like, man, she has her whole life together and she has four kids and everything looks amazing. But I know that sometimes like when we take a step back and look like things are not always as easy. And like you said, you had your struggle with infertility prior to having your kids. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes that people are not necessarily aware of. So I think that's really important. And I know we could talk about a lot of things with you since you've had a lot of experiences. Um, but we want to focus on your postpartum journey. I know that's something you were passionate about. So can you 
just tell us a little bit about your postpartum experience um, with your first child and how that's changed as you've had more children um, and anything that you really stands out to you. Of course, yes. Um, I want to say that postpartum is a, a difficult uh, journey and it doesn't matter if it's the first baby, the second baby, third baby, fourth baby, you know, I, I would think to myself every time I had a baby, I would say, well, I already know what to expect. But no, you really do not know what to expect. Something always comes up. Um, with my first baby, my postpartum experience uh, was it, looking back at it now, having four babies. Um, now I think about it like, well, that was it could have been easier. I, I probably did have it easier because it was just one baby like it, it, it shouldn't have been. But I think going into it, there's things that you just don't know and that you don't expect. And um, one of them is just, I, I want to call it a culture shock, but the culture shock of being pregnant and then being postpartum. And what I have noticed is that once, and I read a quote about this, and the quote said, the pregnant princess becomes the postpartum peasant. You know, when you're pregnant, mm. everything is glorified, you know, the belly is Everyone wants to touch your belly. Everybody is saying that you're glowing, you know. But once you have your baby, the belly turns into the boob because the, your your breasts are the ones that are now nourishing your baby. You can't really see a belly um, anymore. Um, but if you do see a belly, like the, the postpartum belly, because obviously, like, we don't lose the weight really quick, you know, there's some sort of a, a stigma, like an expectation. I don't know. Mm. everything turns into the baby, you know, and, and I think oftentimes mothers are being, you know, forgotten, you know, they're, they're being turned into the postpartum peasants, as they say. Mm -hmm. And um, you see it even at the hospital, you know, once you have the baby, um, when I have my, I've had all my babies in hospitals and in my, the labor and delivery rooms are, are big. And then you go to your postpartum room and it's even like, I don't know, it looks sad. Even the lighting is, there's not a lot of mm. lighting. You feel alone. Um, the, the rooms are, are smaller. Um, I don't know. I just feel that with every baby, the same thing has happened. There's some sort of an isolation that is felt going from being pregnant to being a postpartum mom there's a lot of privileges that sometimes you do get as a pregnant woman but once you have your baby you know a lot of the shifts are no longer there another shift that I that I saw was uh just the doctor appointments I would be in doctor appointments when I was pregnant um through the first second and and the first and second trimester it was like every month or every three weeks uh, during the third trimester, it was almost every week at some point to check on the baby. Mm -hmm. But once I had the baby, you know, there's only two postpartum checkups. There's one at the two-week mark and then another one at the six-week mark. So there's a discontinuation there on the care that is required for the, for the mother. Um, and I think that moms need mothering at, the, at that point when we are postpartum because especially being a first-time mom, it's just a shock. You say, what? I was not expecting this. Um, you can prepare yourself with classes. You know, you can read as much as you as you want to read as well. But I think that a lot of it is uh, what I call like, well, not what I call, but what it is. It's, it's 
theory versus practice. You know, there's things that are in theory, this is what's going to happen. But once you're in the practice section of it, you know, it's something completely, completely different. And it, it doesn't change from one children. Or it does change, but just um, going from adding another child into your family, it, it, it doesn't change in the matter that it doesn't get any easier. Yeah, I mean, you're, I liked what you said about like, we turn into the, the what is it, the peasant, the postpartum peasant? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You're kind of forgotten. And, and in a lot of ways, you feel like everybody's just focused on the baby. And, and your imagery of the labor and delivery room and the postpartum room, that's like something I never really thought of. But it's true. It's like everybody prepares for this big event that the baby's coming. And then afterwards, it's just kind of like now everything's smaller. And you kind of feel that in your life too, right? It's like you kind of feel like the wall's closing in a little bit, like things just change so so drastically. And so with with your first uh, postpartum experience, what did you think, like what was the hardest in adjusting to motherhood for you? Um, and for your husband as well, I know that husbands also experience the, the shift and things change for them. And me and Carla have talked about how sometimes we become like like the mama bear and we kind of just become very like overprotective to the point where we might push our husbands away because we don't want them to do anything wrong and like we're kind of irritable and things like that. So what was the hardest adjustment for you? I think the hardest adjustment for me is that you don't really um, assimilate to the experience of being a mom because when you're pregnant, you know, it, you see the baby in ultrasounds, but once you have the baby, it's like, oh my God, like I just gave birth to a whole new person. Like I need to take care of this person. What do I do? And I think the hardest part for me was just adjusting to that, assimilating that I have a human being that I need to take care of. And I became very, like you said, like a mama bear. I was overprotective with everything, like every single thing, every little granito that he got on his face. Um, it, uh, his, his poop changed, TMI, but his poop color changed. And I don't know, like to me, it was like, oh my God, like something bad is happening. Like what, right. what's going on here? It, it was just a shock to me that I needed to take care of a new baby. And at the same time, I needed to take care of, myself and the the biggest shock for me was just um also the the breastfeeding the breastfeeding experience I mm. unfortunately didn't know many of these aspects of breastfeeding like latching was one of them like the milk supply the fact that your milk supply doesn't come in until you're in about three to five days in to me, I was at the hospital and I I would think that I wasn't making enough milk but in reality, I was just making enough for the baby, but I didn't know that. You know, there's just so mm. many things that I didn't know. And it was just all new to me. It was it, it was a, a real a real culture shock. Um, I think something else was the fact that I was a working mom back then. So I was thinking about work and I was thinking about going back. And at first it was like a I don't even know how to explain it. It, it was like um not a rush, but it was like, okay, I want to, I want to go back to normal. Like, when am I going to go back to normal? When is the bleeding going to stop? When are the, the, cause I, I tore, when are the stitches gonna disappear? Uh, when am I going to lose the weight? When am I, because I need to be back at work, you know? And then at the same time, as time progressed, I would, you know, say to myself, 
but do I really have to go back? You know, I, I, I could probably stay home. Like it was just such a mixture of emotions. There, it, it was like a, a, I don't know, so many gray areas in between that and so many feelings that there's so many things that are going on and you want to focus on one, but it's like, like my, in, in, in Espanol, como a mil por hora, you know, like, what do I focus on? What do I do? Is this normal? Is this not normal? I don't know. It was just, that was a shock for me. Definitely with the first baby, all those things. Do you, did you experience like um, anxiety or depression at, at any of your experiences that you've had? Yes, I did. And um, what I found out later on is that uh, with my second baby, I experienced a depression that was before I even had the baby. And I think mm. we don't talk about this enough because I didn't see that enough. And I felt guilt about feeling this way. But one of the things that I felt with my second baby was that I was um, like replacing my firstborn. You know, like I started feeling like at, I want to say like at 32 weeks pregnant, once I started, like I was into the third trimester, I started saying to myself, oh, my God, I'm about to bring another baby into the house. And my baby is is only two right now. Like I, I can't, not, not two, he, he was one. Uh, he was only one at the time and I just felt very guilty and I felt like I was replacing him and I started feeling this depression at that time and it hit me very very hard because that's when COVID happened it was back in March 2020 and I wanted to do all the things with him I wanted to go take him to the park to the playground to Chuck E. Cheese to the pizza to have all these experiences in those couple of months because I felt that I didn't give him enough time and I felt guilty about it. And then COVID hit and now we had to stay home. Um, I had to think about all my thoughts here at the house. I couldn't go out. I couldn't, my mom couldn't be here with me. Um, I don't know. It was just such a lonely time that it paired up that way to the fact that whenever I did have the baby, it got even worse because now the baby was here. We were not sleeping. We were isolated. My postpartum um, appointments had to be delayed because of the conditions that we were experiencing at that time. It was just such a scary time. Um, and then, uh, like my mom says, para acabarla de amolar, I went through, I went through mastitis um, three times after that happened. I kept going through mastitis. I've been through mastitis times already but it hit me the hardest wow. the same time around mm. oh my gosh that's that's terrible um and I think we have to honor the fact that we've been through a lot with COVID as I think that's also one of the things I was talking to my therapist about is like you know I'm like why am I feeling this way and she's like you've gone through a lot and I think all of us that have become moms during COVID or have small children during COVID it's just been super hard. Like it's adding all this extra stuff that outside of COVID would have, wouldn't have been right. So it, I'm sure it was a very different experience for you because with your first baby, you probably had a lot of support from your mom. And then second baby, it was like, mom can't necessarily be here all the, you know, as much as she was with the first baby. So that's, man, that's really tough. Um, did you, how did you get through it? Um, did you seek out professional help or did you just give it time? You know what? I broke down 
at my daughter's pediatrician appointment. And that's mm. when I saw in my pediatrician, not my pediatrician, but my daughter's pediatrician saw that I needed help. You know, the moment I went in, um, I, I was already, I was so, I, I was so sad, so depressed. And, um, you know, they say that, oh, but once you hold your baby, you know, it all goes away. Like I, with my second baby, that didn't happen. I mean, yes, I was very happy, but when I got home, I was like, oh my God, like now there's two babies and my baby wants my attention. Then now my, my, my baby over here, I need to tend to her. Well, one of those appointments I went in and you know how they make you fill out the, the form, the postpartum depression um, scale form. So mm -hmm. I filled it in and I think that sometimes we do no justice to it because sometimes like you don't want to feel like a burden. So I just put, yes to everything I was feeling good um have you had any suicidal thoughts no have you had depression no do, do you find happiness and yes you know I just because I don't want to be a burden and the moment I walked in and the pediatrician asked me I, I don't know if she saw it on my face but she said are you okay how is it going and then I just broke down like I started crying in my pediatrician's office and I was like you know what I do not I'm not okay. And, and, and she listened to me and she asked me why, what, what do you feel? What's going on? And I, I really like that she did that because I was able to kind of vent to her a different venting to somebody else than venting to your, my husband, because I already had vent to my husband, but it was just so different. And, and she said, you know what, I think you need help. I think you need to, to seek the help of, of a therapist. Unfortunately, that was when COVID was happening. So everything had to be online and it took time for me to actually get the therapy because they weren't even working at that time. So I felt like I had to like get out of it on my own at that point. And the best thing that I, that I did was um, get out, you know, at, at that point, leave the house did a lot for me, you know, see that there's uh, it's going to sound weird, but to see that there's life outside of the house, that I'm not trapped in the house. I felt like I was trapped and it, it wasn't only because I was in the postpartum period, but it was also because we were, it was during COVID. So what helped me was that just being in the outdoors helped me. Um, we were not at all getting a Starbucks, just going to Starbucks and seeing other people, even <laughs> with our masks. Like I was like, oh, here's a Starbucks. I would go to Starbucks and just talking it out every single day I am just so grateful for for my husband because um my husband is my biggest support and he knows how to 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 talk to me and he kind of we would kind of process things and talking it out helped me he would say but why are you why do you feel like that was because I feel that I'm replacing my son yeah but you're not replacing your son you see he's still here you're not you didn't tell him to leave like he would kind of reason with me and he understood how bad it was after they referred me for help. Um, mm. But just, I don't know, like now thinking about it, now that you asked me, I'm like, how did I really leave that? I mean, I, I, I think it was just all of that that helped me. Yeah, your support system. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's good that you were able to have someone to talk to, you know, you know, trust and confide in your husband and because like you said, I think a lot of women feel that they're going to be a burden and they don't want to talk about it. Um, and then things kind of, 
like we've talked about before, it starts to snowball and then it just becomes to like the size where you can't control it anymore. Like it's just become so out of control that it's hard to tame it. So I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. Um, did you ever experience that at all in the others or do you think it was mostly with COVID and everything compounding and, and the fact that it was like after your first baby? Cause I think that's hard. I've thought about that too. Like if I ever have another child, it's like, I think about, man, like how sad for Yandel. Like I feel bad for him. You know, I'm like, he's not going to be the main one anymore. And you start to feel like, which I'm sure that they're just kind of like, they just go with the flow, you know, they don't, don't feel it that much, but it's hard. So did you experience it with the third and fourth? I know you're, you're pretty freshly postpartum from your last baby. So. Yeah, I'm at, uh, I'm at four months right now. So it should yeah. be out of the fourth trimester. So with the, with the third and fourth, I really didn't, uh, thank God. I, I did experience the baby blues. I did experience that. And then of course, just the, um, not being able to to sleep oh that's what what hits me the hardest like not being able to sleep knowing like that I'm gonna be isolated once my everyone my family goes to bed and then I'm gonna be alone with the baby and there really Mm. isn't any other way because I'm breastfeeding you know like it's not like I can I I started to to do things like pump milk to leave it for my husband to take a shift during the night and that really helped um, but during my third and fourth postpartum periods, I experienced the baby blues, but not really the depression that I experienced the second time around. This time, I guess I knew that I needed interaction, so mm. I I tried to get it as much as I as much as I could. What I did experience uh, though was um, I went through some hard circumstances. I really don't understand why, but. Every time that I've been postpartum, something like crucial bad happens during my like in my life. So I did wow. experience that, and I felt that the way that I reacted to those things was um, because I was more sensitive, and the hormonal shift was still there. I do feel that I was more sensitive to it, and I cried a lot more to react to those things that happened. But mm. I, I uh, thankfully, I, I didn't get depressed. Wow. Yeah. No, I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad that you stated like you already knew what made you feel better when you were experiencing the depression, like, you know, the social interaction and just so you knew like that you needed to do that in the next postpartum times because that just helped you so much. And I think that's big for, for anyone that's in that period or pregnant or thinking about it is that you need that, you need that like interaction. Everyone does. Even me, who's like a big time hermit. I need to like, you need it, you know, I was part of my therapist homework for me. She's like, you need to see your friends more. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you really, she's like three times a week. I'm like, how many friends do you think I have? Because <laughs> like, let's, <laughs> let's not get carried away. I don't have that. Many. <laughs> yeah. But can you share with us? I know you're very passionate about your breastfeeding as well. And so how, what do you want to talk about regarding to that? Um, what tips do you have? I know you said you're on your Instagram, a lot of people reach out about breastfeeding and I see your post about pumping and all of that. Yes, I am very, very passionate. And let me tell you why I did not cherish um, my body and the, the fact that it, that I'm able to breastfeed because I went through mastitis. 
and I didn't know about mastitis and I didn't know how to treat it and I didn't know any of that. So with my first baby, I made a lot of milk. I I don't know if this has to do with it, but I have a condition. I have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, reading through it, 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 I don't know if that has to do with me having an oversupply, but I have an oversupply. I make a lot of milk. And um, naturally, I, I make a lot of milk. A, a lot of times, um, my, my friends, my followers ask me, well, how do you make so much milk? What do you take? Tell me, tell me what you do. And I'm like, it's because I can't tell you like a lot of uh, companies, not a lot, but some companies have reached out and, and told me like, take this and you know, so you can promote it. And I'm like, no, like, I, I'll take it, but I will promote because like, I naturally make a lot of milk. And during my first and second times, I went through mastitis six times and it was really, 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 really bad. I ended up at the hospital. I had a one of four fever. Um, they even told me that I was at a risk of developing a, how can I say, um, an abscess. And if that were to happen, they were going to have to do a surgery on me to remove it and they were going to have to open me up. And so what I did during my second and third um, breastfeeding journeys was that and I'm not proud of it, was that I started taking um, a supplement to lower my milk supply because I was just making so much, which is okay. Like now that I see it, I'm like, it, that's okay because that brought me, you know, more, I want to say some more peace, like, because I was so scared of getting mastitis. I was super, super scared. And, and I, yeah. I just decided to, to do that. So now that I had my fourth baby, um, I decided that I was going to breastfeed exclusively and just cherish the fact that I make a lot of milk and use that to donate it. So what I'm doing now is I am pumping everything that's in excess. I am donating it to the babies that are in the NICU. My mom and my dad have always told me, I know that this is probably not like a, a talent per se because it's my body doing like it's not like a talent. But my parents have always uh, taught me that if you ever have a talent, if God gives you a talent, he gives it to you because he wants you to bless others with that talent. And I mean, this is, like I said, probably not like a talent, but it's something that I have in excess and something that I naturally do. So mm. because of that, I, I decided to to use that and, and to, to donate milk for the babies. Right now I have over last time we counted it was last week and it was a thousand and fifty ounces um wow. so I, I don't know how many more ounces i i have right now but we my freezer is full we're ready to donate and i'm just so proud that that i'm able to to do that this time around and with your the first three you um didn't breastfeed exclusively with them with the first one, what happened was that the pediatrician asked me to, um, I don't say it's a supplement. She asked me to supplement because they, actually she did it with all the babies. They had high um, levels of the, I do not remember, when they're, when they're yellow. The bilirubin? Mm -hmm, the the mm -hmm. bilirubin. So they had that and they said that, she told me that breastfed babies are at risk of, deficiency in vitamin d so she said to supplement so with okay. the babies with my first babies i would i would supplement with formula with the first three babies i supplemented with formula not all the time but i did resort to that and i would pump my milk and and also buy the vitamin d drops and just feed them 
feed them that. That's what I what I would do with them. Is they, I forgot the question. <laughs> the question. That if you exclusively breastfed with them, but you supplemented with all three of them, you you did some supplementing as well. Okay. Yeah, I did some supplementing. Yes, I I, I and then also with my first two, um, I was I I was working, so I I had to. I was I couldn't exclusively exclusively breastfeed. Right. Wow. And man, mastitis six times. I can't even imagine. That's I know it, it's it's painful. It's from what I hear. It's just and I mean it could get very bad. So I'm glad that you you uh, were okay. And I think a lot of people because Carla was an an oversupplier as well. And so I know that sometimes I think we get like you know. The grass is always greener. So you're like, oh man, I wish I made a lot of milk. But it also has its like consequences sometimes, like with you that you got oh. mastitis so many times and and that's that's hard as well. Um, what would be your biggest tips for women that are breastfeeding, that are struggling to breastfeed? Um, you had your struggles, I guess it wasn't involving the supply. Well, I guess it was, right? Because the oversupply was causing issues, but what would be your advice. I know you said a lot of women kind of reach out and are saying like, oh, how do you make so much? And I know it causes a lot of stress to people because it's like so many people really want to do it. And when they struggle and it's not that easy, it affects them. So what's your biggest advice? So I would say um, get educated on on those aspects of, of breastfeeding. One of the biggest things that a lot of my, my friends, uh, followers reach out to me um is problems with the latch a lot of times it's just that they're not latching and the only person well not the only person but I'm in the in the hospital that could help and sometimes they don't have those persons available would be a lactation consultant so they have to seek the help for themselves but they don't even know that these people exist because I tell them did you talk to to a um, IBLC and they would say what's that what's a lactation consultant is there such thing as that and a lactation consultant was what helped me the sixth time I had mastitis I said I am done having mastitis but I want to keep breastfeeding my daughter like what do I do and I went to a lactation consultant and it was also a problem with the latch I I would say get educated know that there is help out there I just I love that my friends send me these messages, you know, and and I'm honored, honestly. Like sometimes they send me pictures too. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's fine. Send me your pictures and show me. <laughs> but the problems are 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 that. Um, I think sometimes there's not a lot of support and a lot of resources that are provided to to women that struggle with these with these things. Um, I am yet to find like a good local like support group. Um, like for moms, like, and, and that's the truth. I, I wanted to look for something like that and I couldn't find anything. Like you're kind of left to just send for yourself, Google it or watch YouTube videos. So what I would say is just do that. Like educate yourself while you're pregnant as much as you can. And then as you're going through these struggles, seek help from a lactation consultant that can really tell you what to do. A lot of times it's just that we don't know what we're struggling with a lot of times when they ask me I'm like oh that's a problem with latching okay you Mm -hmm. should do this you should try this position um you should try buying um something that I like I've been telling all my friends to buy are the silverette cups 
Mm-hmm. Um, those are for nipple damage and those help me a lot too. Like there's just so many resources and so many products out there that are supposed to help you, but we just don't know about them. So just, I guess that. Yeah. And I can link some resources when I post the episode about, um, that we have locally. Cause yeah, I think if you don't, you know, you don't know about doulas, you don't know about, like, there's just so much stuff out there that if you don't know, like, there's just a lot of support. You just have to, to look for it, which kind of sucks. I wish it was more, um, accessible, but there is like the breastfeeding garden. I've never been, I've had friends that have gone so that you could go and there's like a, uh, you've gone right, Carla. Yeah. That's, so you could tell you a little bit more about it. Yeah. And I think that one came from, cause like you, I was struggling with my daughter had, um, a lip tie, but we, you know, I had an oversupply. Uh, she was also like, um, dairy intolerant, not fully allergic, but she was intolerant to dairy and with an oversupply and she didn't have a good latch. So like, I remember struggling so much through the breastfeeding process because, well, one, it hurts. <laughs> you're not sleeping well. And then like your baby's in pain and you can't figure out what it's going on. So I remember we talked to my doula, which uh, is Letty night. And then we had her here before. And she told me about going to the breastfeeding garden and they meet every Friday. I think they're still doing it. I still get the emails. And it was one of those things where like, even just going with people that understood what the struggle was like and then they have Libby there which she's a lactation consultant and I remember telling her like it's because I'm trying to breastfeed and I'm constantly leaking and my daughter's not latching and like all these concerns and I'm like and I'm trying to pump and I'm trying to collect the milk and like I was just like dumping all like my trauma that I had and then she told me it's like okay you're gonna make more milk tomorrow you're gonna make more milk later today you're gonna make more milk in three days so what if it spills so what if it just runs down your body? Like, just get a towel, let your breast empty a little bit, and then feed your daughter. Because right now she's basically, like, shaking a, co- a soda can and just spraying into her mouth. That's what the milk is doing to her. That's why she's having a struggle, like, latching. That's why she's doing these things. And I was like, but why am I going to waste that milk? And then she's like, you're going to make more. Like, you're going to make some more. Like, why are you so worried about every drop? And it was just, like, that thing that someone else, like, Someone else that had been doing it for years, that had been helping so many women, like once she said it, like it made it okay for me. And it helped me kind of like talk to other moms that were breastfeeding. And it was a really good support group for me. And it was like, it wasn't easy because like they met in the morning. I'm not a morning person. Then trying to get ready and then trying to get a baby ready. Like sometimes I remember I want, like I was like, okay, I'm going to make it there by like 930. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get myself out of the house and get my child out of the house. But the days that I did go, it was just so rewarding and so relieving to be able to like just sit there. Even if I didn't need help anymore, just sit there with other moms. And like, I'm a I'm a co-sleeping mom. Um, my daughter um slept with me from four weeks after she was born because we fought the bassinet, we fought the crib, and then we finally caved in and kept her in bed with us. And so like even just being a bed sharing mom, like I had a lot of stigma coming out from the outside of people were like, you're not supposed to do this. You're that's really dangerous. Like, what if dad rolls over? And like all these like other extra anxiety things that weren't helping me. But then talking to moms, there were like some of them, their kids slept great in the crib, and some of them was like, no, uh, we bet share because it just makes it easier for breastfeeding mom. These are the tips that I follow. So like it went beyond just the breastfeeding portion. Like it went to like relating to other women that understood that I wasn't doing. And it, like, yes, I understand there's certain risk with bed sharing and there's certain things that you need to keep in mind. 
but it was what was more natural to us. And just having that people kind of like validate those thoughts I was having. And I'm like, oh, I'm not alone. Because what motherhood is, right? It's like we are in a society that your career, your successes kind of become this identity of you. And then you become a mom. And suddenly you're not working. Suddenly you're not doing this other achievements you were doing. Like all you're being measured is in how many ounces is your baby gaining? Are you good at breastfeeding? Are you keeping a clean house? Are you still getting your your pre-pregnancy body back? And like, so all these other metrics come in and I'm like, oh, now I'm not good. Now I'm not doing these things. And like, now I can speak about my failures because I have no other success. Like what are my other measures of success? Well, they're gone. So like we stay quiet and like to me, mm. like talking to them, I was like, Oh, yes, that's good. And so like the breastfeeding iron for me, it was very helpful. But I left the hospital without knowing that my pediatrician straight up told me, I don't know, call the hospital, they might be able to give you something. And I'm like, Oh, I thought you dealing with babies might give me a good like lactation consultant. She's like, call the hospital. I'm like, Oh, okay, well, that was not helpful. And, you know, it's like we you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So you're kind of like kicked out and be like, okay, breastfeeding. Bye. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, here you go. Figure it all out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you got this. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm supposed to keep this human alive? Like, I barely remember to feed myself. So, like, those are the things I'm like, I rant about all the time. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? I'm glad that you're mentioning the the, the breastfeeding garden. I want to go. I'm like, I, I'm yet mm. to find, like, a, a, a place, you know? And, and sometimes I feel isolated because... Like with my first baby, we would have people come over to the house. And if I wanted to breastfeed him, like I had to go to my room and just like breastfeed him there alone, you know, like, and mm. I was like, no, like, this is not, it shouldn't be like this. Like, también, that's something that I really advocate for, like breastfeeding should be normalized and it should not be sexualized. It should not be stigmatized. Now, when my parents come home and now, I mean, they know I'm like, the boob is going to come out if you guys don't want to see my boobs like turn around but I'm gonna see you you know like and and they're, they're really good at, at about it like they, they know that like I have to feed my baby but it's just that I think we're we've stigmatized breastfeeding and 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 ways also sexualized it but I'm I want to go I, I'm gonna look into it and actually yeah. I I'll also message Letty Knight because I took a class with her um the hypno babies class and oh I loved her class and I love her Letty she's amazing um but yeah I would send her messages too so now that girls reach out to me I'm like that's perfect because when I didn't know I had someone to to reach out to and I think that's something else that that can be done like if you know of somebody that that is doing it or that went through it then reach out or go to like that like if if there's a support group like the breastfeeding garden then you know go there and seek support not only breastfeeding but like you said a lot of times it starts with the breastfeeding but then once you talk to somebody it can go to something else you know like like issues with not issues but like your preference because I also bet shared with my with my first baby right now like we can't because it's four kids yeah we can't (laughs) but I did with my first baby too yeah no I think it's important to that community is just so it's so helpful because I think even like recently I was feeling very down and I met up with my friend Jen who she was on the podcast too and I, I'm talking to her and we're just talking and like like all the feelings about motherhood come, you know, and like living in like 
Motherhood, I think how you said like that gray area in the beginning, it's like motherhood is like holding two feelings at once, like all the time. It's like, yes, I love being a mom for these reasons, but I also like don't like it for these reasons. And like being able to hold those things together and like share it with someone else. And they're like, oh, I totally understand. And I'm like, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing being a mom all the time because I, you know, I'm not bashing it, but it's really hard. Like, and people need to know the truth is like, it's really hard because, and I don't know if it's easier to come into something knowing that it's going to be hard rather than like thinking it's going to be perfect. And I feel like that's kind of what I thought, you know, going into becoming a mom that, you know, I I always thought I wanted to be a mom. I always thought I was going to have kids. And then you come into it and the reality is like, whoa, this is really hard. So just knowing like to share and like, you know, Jen telling me like, oh, my, my babies like don't sleep. And then just kind of laughing with each other about our, you know, struggles. Cause it's like, oh, this, this, that, all of the things that we have in common that if you don't speak about, it could feel that you're the only one in this world that's going through that. And it could feel so heavy. Mm-hmm. So I think, thank you guys for sharing that. That was so yes, the breastfeeding garden, and I'll link it, um, their information, but they do meet up and and that's very helpful. Um, and that's a resource you could share too now, Ale, with people and hopefully you get to go and experience it and you get to yeah. share your wisdom with other people that are struggling, you know? Yes, no, I definitely know. I, I want to go on my too. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining like an actual garden. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> so Ale, I was gonna ask you so from oversupplier to oversupplier because I know how it was like literally um I I was working and I was pumping and then I would just make so much and my daughter just took about 18 ounces to daycare and I would bag another like 20 30 <laughs> and I was just like what am I doing with this and so I did free some of them and like my routine was like Monday she gets frozen milk like we, she doesn't get Friday's milk because then I didn't pump Saturday and Sunday. I was like, I'm done of this thing. I never want to see it in my life. Um, so like Monday she would get frozen milk, so like we could rotate it, and like a friend would come and get it too. But how did you ended up like going through like donating at the NICU? Like, did they have any? How did you even get started on that journey of like going to them, speaking to them? Is there certain things that you need to do to kind of donate to the NICU? Yes. So actually, another very good support that I reached out to apart from Letty Knight was uh, Rachel. I I, I don't, Curtis, Rachel Curtis. She is actually, she was a doula at Las Palmas. And I remember that she was my lactation consultant when I was at Las Palmas with my uh, second baby. And I told her, I told her, you know what, I have an oversupply. Like I make a lot of milk. Is there anything that I don't know, like like some tips you can give me to not make. Back then, my thing was, how can I not make so much? Is there anything that can be done back then? But she told me, if you make so much, why don't you donate it to the NICU? And I said, you can do that? Like, do I bring it to you guys? Or like, what do I give it to you? What do I do? And she referred me to another doula that um, helped me with my first time donating my milk. And her name is Erica. I cannot remember her last name, but um, I, I saw or met her on Instagram. That's where I was referred and I talked to her there. Her name is Erica. And um, so I talked to Erica and she works for this company called the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. So this company is based at Austin, Texas. And I, I 
believe that what they do is collect the milk from all the the Texas areas and then they deliver it to the hospitals as as they as they get it. And there are requirements for you to be able to donate the milk. So um, it has to be during the first year only. I know that you can breastfeed for longer than that, but they only take milk um, from the first year. And it's just four very simple steps. You call them and I'll, I'll, I'll give you girls the information, but you can call them and they do an initial interview over the phone and they ask you questions, uh, your name, your age, uh, all of those things, but also like medical, more medical questions just to make sure that the milk is, that you're donating is, is good as far as like medications that you're taking, conditions that you have, things like that. So you do an interview over the phone and then they send you a link to your email. You answer another questionnaire that has even more questions to where if you did answer, if you are taking medication, well, what medication, since when, what are, how many grams, how many times a day, so you answer that. It's a questionnaire. It does take you like a good 15 minutes to complete it online. After that, you have to get some blood work done. So they have to give you, they, they give you like a, a, a doctor's orders, like a doctor's order. So you don't have to pay for it, but you have to print it out and you have to take it there to to the it's lab corp. It's they're only in LabCorp. And here in El Paso, there there's a LabCorp, I think, in every Walgreens. That's where I've gone. So you do that. And then after that, you have to donate it. Before the first time I donated, I went through Erica and Erica labeled the milk for me. She shipped it over there to them. Now they're not doing that anymore. You have to do it on your own. So they send you coolers and you ship them. I, I'm still in that process. I, I still don't know um like how that goes because I barely found a place to get dry ice you're supposed to only ship uh, the milk in with con the containers they send them to you but it's only dry ice and I couldn't find dry ice anywhere but finally yeah, I, I found a place for dry ice so I'm still at that process I should be donating it I think by the end of this week I'm still también este waiting on on that but it's just very re a very rewarding feeling like the first time I donated to me was like I don't know, like it, it just felt so great being able to donate. Mm -hmm. So I tell all my friends, like if, if you do make excess milk and, and it's very important that it's excess milk, like milk that your baby's not going to take because you also don't want to take away from your baby. But if you do make that much milk to, to donate it and to help other babies, because I've heard so many stories now that I'm very open on my social media on, on motherhood and the things that I go through as I go through them. So I share with my friends, with my followers, um, my journey on donating. And a lot of moms have reached out to me and they tell me, you know what, my baby was in the NICU and I appreciate so much that you're donating milk because when a lot of, of them tell me that they would be able to sleep with donor milk because the nurses would feed the babies. The nurses would tell them, you sleep, you're, you're good, I'll, I'll feed the baby. Um, we have donor milk and also that donor milk has helped their babies, you know, be nourished and get out of the NICU faster because they, they, they grow. Um, I've just heard so many stories that have just warmed my heart, you know, and, and it, it even gives me more, more motivation to donate and to promote and to advocate for that, that there, there is a need for, for donor milk. So if any of your listeners 
are oversuppliers like like you, Carla. I, I don't know how old your baby is, but no, I baby pushed is, her off me. Don't touch me. No, we, we, my daughter is <laughs> three and a half now. Um, she we stopped breastfeeding. Uh, yeah, okay. I had to force her to stop at two. I said that's enough, ma'am. <laughs> You're like I'm done, and and that's fine. Yeah, but for me, I I never stopped because I wanted to. I always tried out because I would get pregnant. <laughs> Oh, yes. But now wow. I'm going to breastfeed as much as I can and hopefully I last longer. And my, my parents tell me, well, we'll know if you stop breastfeeding because you won't breastfeed your baby. We'll know you're pregnant. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's, I'm that's not how we know you're pregnant. pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I, I'm like, that's so cool that you're doing that. And I know it's not necessarily like easy. It takes time from you, you know, the pumping sessions and all of that in between. I see you post like studying or like on your computer for school and like pumping. And I'm like, that's wild. Like that's, that's awesome. And and that you're not really like, you're not necessarily doing it for your baby. Like you're doing it for, for other babies. And that's, that's super cool. So I, I'm going to, I'm writing that down and I'll have you send it to me too, so that you can and I know you'll probably post about it on your social media, like boxing, I'm assuming, or I'm giving you an idea, like boxing your milk and getting it yes. shipped out so people could see how that is as well, which is, that's super cool. And I'll link all of your social media um, as well so people can can go follow your, your journey. Um, do you know how many kids you guys want, like total? Is there a cap? Is it just until you feel like it's right? I don't know. <laughs> So right now, um, we have four babies. And I, I've i always since when I was little, I would always say I wanted five. So okay. as of now, I think it's gonna be the five. Um, especially now that I see how hard it is yeah, with more babies, because before they were little, and their needs were different. But now that they're older, like my oldest is four, um, and then two, and then one in the four months but when they get older their their needs change and of course their attention so before I would say oh no I'm gonna have like a lot of babies like as much but now I'm like oh I think I might cap it up probably five wow yeah no and I only I know it's kind of like I mean maybe inappropriate to ask you but I know you wanted a big family so I'm just because yeah. I'm like you barely had your last one so I don't want to make I you know. feel any type of way because I'm always like don't ask people if they want more kids that's rude <laughs> but I'm just like how big of a family do you want no yes. and that's and I'm like now I'm thinking I'm like I should we should throw like a mother out motherhood out loud like little get together so because all of our a lot of our kids are very similar in ages like we have a lot of three to four year olds like so just to see them all together would be pretty pretty fun yeah. and would give us and a time to interact that- in anything that is social yeah like I said I've always looked like I'm like oh my god is there like any like any other support groups you know that that I could that I could attend things like that and I think it it all goes down to that like when it comes to the to postpartum like you have to be able to like talk things out and a lot of times Mm -hmm. I think that we don't because we don't want to be a burden but once we do and you find out that there's other girls out there that are probably struggling with the same you know um then you can assimilate to them and it's not like you're in a little bubble anymore that's how I feel what something else that I encourage is just the self-care aspect of it like just 
be very cognizant of your self-care not only when you're pregnant but also in postpartum like to me it was hard um going to my I I always say like my best form of self-care is going like to my to my hair to do my hair my nails like things like that massage just things like that not only because of the things that you're getting done but I don't know, like the fact that you get to talk to, they're my friends now, you know, and we get to mm. talk and, and they're moms too, and they get to experience these things with you. But it, it's hard for a breastfeeding mom sometimes because um, you're, you're breastfeeding and you're leaking too. So you're there and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to have to pump for a little bit. Is that okay? Mm. So you need to just accommodate to, to those things. But you know it's it's very it's very important to do that and just interacting interacting with with other people and something else that um I wanted to 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 share some of the questions that my my followers sent in comments one of them sent something that like it struck to me and I was like oh my god like that's so true and and I wanted to mention it but I posted the story like to see if they had any questions or any mm. any topics to to touch on, and let me read what she what she put. But it was like, oh my god, like it, it's to me, it's like that's so true. Like maybe we do need to do that. Or, but she put. Let me read it. I'm finding it. Mm. She put. I left social media during this postpartum period because of the expectations and the pressures. So to me, it, it speaks to me a lot because like not, I didn't leave social media, but I, I did see like there were some influencers that were pregnant with me um, at the same time. And they had the baby around the same time, maybe a week off, a week before or a week, two weeks after. But they would post um, unrealistic things that I don't even believe that they went through you know like they would post like okay, yeah by by the two-week mark like they were posting bikini pictures and stuff like that he, I would look at myself and I was like what like I'm over here like I'm still bleeding all day and my my boobs are achy everything is achy um I still have a belly I, I still looks like I'm five months pregnant like how is this happening right. so seeing that brought me back and I said I don't know, maybe that's something that we should do. Like maybe, maybe during that time, like next time I have a baby, <laughs> maybe um, I'll just unfollow <laughs> those people or mute them or something. Cause I'm like, that's so true. Like there, there's such an expectation that, that we put in moms or even in ourselves. Like to me, I was like, oh yeah, I need, I need to bounce back. I need to bounce back. Well, yeah, this time around I did it. Yeah. This time I was like, no, like, I'm not going to bounce back. I've done this plenty of times. There's no way of bouncing back from postpartum. And it shouldn't be rushed either. Like you shouldn't be mm -hmm. rushing yourself either. There's so many cultures that I learned about. I can't remember their names, but the postpartum period is considered a sacred time. And that's what it yeah. should be. Like you should not rush through it. it. It shouldn't be a rush. You should take your time and just, I don't know, like, be able to cherish your your body it's something that I I had to work on and I had to learn the hard way but I did and it's something that I, I really really want every woman that becomes a mom to to know 
not to rush yourself. No, you're right. I think we should slow down in that period. And yes, anything that's not honoring this period of time in your life, like just cut it off. Like she did. I'm proud of the one your follower friend that did that because she's right. It's unrealistic and it's not everybody's experience. And and if it's not making you feel good, then that's a good thing about social media is you could just say, hey, I'm not following this anymore. It's not doing me well. And surrounding yourself with that community that is okay with being honest. You know, I think that's also the big thing is we a lot of times aren't comfortable being honest and it's we need to. That's where we find out that, hey, maybe it's not that perfect as we thought for for that person or maybe that they're struggling with this and I can help them because I'm not struggling there and I can help them with what I, you know, just sharing information. Um, but Ale, thank you so much. I feel like we could talk and talk and talk. I mean, we'll pro- you're welcome back yeah. whenever. If there's another topic, <laughs> we'd love to chat with you again. I think a big thing I saw in yours was just like, and I was kind of like, wow, that's so cool. Like how you said, and you mentioned it actually, which I thought about asking you is just maintaining like your identity and like the things that, you know, I know you like to do your hair and you like to put on your makeup and just not losing that. And I think Carla and I have talked about that before, how it took a little while. I mean, even for me, it's still like a struggle of like, you know, let's look nice today. Like we don't have to look like this all the time. And it's hard because sometimes you're just running out and like to just do that little self-care for yourself. And also, like, it's okay to be away from your baby. I think that's also, like, a big thing, you know, course, like, yeah. we need to be away. Like, we need to. Like, today I left Yandel until 2 at day, at, at his school. And, you know, I felt bad, but my therapist was – because he cried the first time I left him. Last week was the first time I left him till 2. And my therapist was like, he's okay. Like, do it again. She's like – because I was like, but I had a really good day. But I also felt bad because he was there till 2. And she's like, he's okay. She's like, he'll be okay. And like, yeah, like even Carla, when we had a, her husband turned 40 and we went to his party and she was, I was just like, I got to go. Like it's already 11. And she's like, Yandel is okay. And I'm like, yeah, but now I'm worried about my mom. (laughs) You know, but it's, it's, it's okay to, to be away. And I think sometimes we feel like we have to be, at least I felt that pressure that you have to be with them 24 seven, like you know, especially me not working. I was like, I have to be here. Like I have to, but no, it's good to be away. It's good to put on your makeup. It's good to go do your hair. It's good to dress, dress up, you know, and, and I would like to talk to you more extensively about that. So we'll have you on again, I'm sure, but thank you so, so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate it.